Well, we're beginning a new series today in Galatians chapter 5, and uh, it's called Changed. And according to the dictionary, to change means to make something different from what it is or from what it would be if left alone. Now, here's the thing about change when it comes to life change. Most all of us know that we need change, but a lot of us don't know how to actually change. You go to the bookstore, bookstore is loaded, like pork barrel government bill loaded with self-help books, how to improve your life, how to be a better this, how to be a better that, how to get more. We've got all sorts of stuff that tells us about change on self-improvement, but here's the problem. Most of what we are told today about change is it bypasses the most important part of change. It bypasses our heart. You see, when Jesus came onto the scene, Jesus did not come and say, start behaving better. Jesus did not come and say, change yourselves. Jesus did not come say, here's a new list of rules and things that you do in order to be a good or a better person. Jesus came to transform people. You see, Jesus taught about a changed heart that leads to a transformed life. So a lot of us today say, okay, well, Jeff, how does that actually happen? And then here's the thing. If I'm changed, what should that look like today? Because some of us have met people that say, I'm changed, but they're not really changed. Their opinion of themselves has changed, but they haven't actually changed. So what we're going to do in these next 11 weeks, we are going to, for those of you that enjoy verse by verse, syllable by syllable, word by word, Bible study, you will be able to eat your heart out these next 11 weeks. Because what we're going to do is in Ephesians, or excuse me, Galatians chapter 5 in the Bible, Galatians 5, beginning in verse 13, we're going to walk all the way through verse 26. Now for our pseudo-Christians... Um, that claim Christ but never read the Bible, this is a great time to start. Uh, some of us, we feel guilty because we don't read 15 chapters of the Bible each day. That's probably not the best way to actually read the Bible. One of the best ways to read God's Word is to take a packet, a section of thought, and let that begin to saturate our hearts and minds. In fact, it's a great idea sometimes just to take one chapter of the Bible and read that every day for a week. So the thoughts of God's Word become become our thoughts. It begins to trickle down into our hearts. So if you don't have a a plan or a Bible study that you're doing right now, or a devotion or quiet time, why don't you just take the book of Galatians and begin to read through it? Read through it every week. Or if you want to get really hardcore, just get down to chapter 5, beginning there uh, in verse 16, specifically about the fruit of the Spirit. Because here's what God has blessed us with at Rocky Mount Baptist Church. He's blessed us with changed lives. We can have budget, like people given to it like crazy. And if there's no changed lives, then it doesn't really matter. We could have, I mean, we could go build a brand spanking new building that people just stop by to take pictures of. But if lives are not changed, then it doesn't really matter. Everything that God gives us is to be used to help people know Jesus. And what we have in Rocky Mount Baptist Church is a lot of people who've been changed. Praise God. 
We've heard from some people to say, well, man, it seems like I don't know very many people. Guess what? Most people here are in the same boat. Some of our folks who've been here for a while say, man, there's so many new people. We don't know everybody. Guess what? That's called a good thing. Man, unless you're Mr. or Mrs. Popularity, you can remember 5,000 people's name right off the top of your head. It's probably a bad thing if you know everybody. Because Franklin County has thousands of people who don't know Christ and God has put us here to reach him. So here's what we're going to do. Since we've got so many people, we've got people, and it is awesome when we have people to come and they're like, they're guilty about like, actually, before I started coming to here, I actually didn't go to church. And they're like, real guilty. We're like, we're glad that you're here. Like that's what we, that's what we want. And if God has brought you here from another place, we're glad that you're here. But what we're not about, we're not about stealing members and we're not about fishbowl evangelism. Fishbowl evangelism is where you just steal and trade church members between different churches. What we want is for people who don't know Christ to come and to meet Christ and have their lives transformed. So we're going to take a look at, in these next 11 weeks, what that actually looks like, a changed life. So we're in the book of Galatians, and when we study our Bibles, um, it is very, very helpful to understand why the book was written and who it was written to. So here's a little bit of background on Galatians. It was written around 48 A.D., It was one of Paul's earliest letters, and it was to first-generation Christians. For those of you um, that are into history, uh, Galatia was there in in northern Asia Minor, and it was originally a Celtic area. They had had a lot of people uh, migrate in by the times the the Romans colonized it. Um, But it was a very ordered place, and the theme here is a somewhat ordered culture received the gospel. And then like you and I can cut, sometimes we receive the gospel, but then we begin to add things to the gospel. They begin to add things. We've got a mixed crowd here. This is in the Bible. They begin to add things. These Jewish people called the Judaizers, they would add things to say, well, you have to trust in Jesus, but you also have to be circumcised to be saved. And Paul's argument in the book of Galatians is to say, when you come to Jesus Christ and place your faith in him, that Christ is what saves. Suits do not save. Circumcision doesn't save. Tithing doesn't save. Not smoking doesn't save. Not carrying around a hockey puck in the back of your jeans. That doesn't save. Some of y'all will get that later. Not even knowing what Budweiser is, will not save. Jesus saves. That's the point of the book. And Paul is saying, you guys receive the gospel, but really quickly you begin to add things to the gospel. And if, if you read the beginning of the book of Galatians, this epistle, this, this letter to a church, Paul doesn't really introduce. He kind of like comes and he knocks on the door and he walks in and it's just like you hear, shh, shh. And he just begins to unload. Because he's like, you're adding to the gospel. The gospel is freedom. The point of the book, he says, there is freedom in Christ. So don't add things to a changed life that lead you back into slavery. Because some of us, like the Galatians, we think, well, I couldn't do anything to get saved. Like I went to the membership class and we talked about that, how it's through the gift of God, not through works. But once I'm saved, don't I have to kind of hold up my end of the deal? Right? I mean, I mean, once I'm saved, don't I have to start holding up to a certain ethical idea? And the apostle Paul says, that's not the gospel. 
The gospel results in a changed heart and a changed life. So here's what we're going to do this morning as we walk through verses 13 through 18. We're going to talk about the topic of war and give this driving thought. That a changed life is free to declare war on the things that actually destroy life. The thing, if we look at the very core of it, sin destroys life. Sin destroys relationships. So he's saying that once we get saved, it sets us free. Notice there, beginning in verse 13, we'll we'll start to read the text. It says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you, this is, this is crazy lingo here. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify or satisfy the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. What the Bible is teaching this morning is that a life that has been changed by Christ has the freedom to declare war on certain things. The first of which is when you get saved... When Christ changes your heart, you have the freedom to declare war on this. The slavery of always having to be served. For some people, they will get hurt. They will get offended when the conversation doesn't always gravitate around them. Have you seen that? At gatherings, at parties, whatever it may be. it ha- Someone has to be talking to me. Otherwise, this is lame. Otherwise, these people have issues. Notice what it says in verse 13. For you were called to what? To freedom, to liberty, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. It means that when we get saved, that the freedom of Christ is on a collision course with the way that all of us think before Christ. And you say, now Jeff, I've never been saved, but I serve people. Go with me. The reason why some of us serve people is because what we get out of serving people. Are you tracking with me? And some of y'all know the high that you get from serving. From doing something nice when nobody asked you to do it. You show up. You fix the dryer. You bring the bag of groceries. You bring the extra shotgun to the skeet shoot. Right? And, and then And then you do those ministries and it just makes you feel good. Have y'all never done anything nice for somebody? Come on, work with me this morning. I mean, it does. When you, when you do something nice for somebody, it just makes you, it, it, and here's the re, here's the reason. Whether you know Jesus or whether you don't, the reason why we feel good when we bring a truckload of wood to someone who needs it is because we've been created in the image of God. And when we do what we've been created to do, there is fulfillment. There is joy. When we do what we've not been created to do, which is to be selfish and sinful, it always just go back to Krispy Kreme donuts. For a moment it satisfies, but it leaves things that don't satisfy. When we talk about freedom, I know for a lot of us, our minds automatically go to this. We say, if I give my life to Christ, if I get saved, if I follow through with believer's baptism, man, fun is over. Like y'all seen that shirt? 
And it has like the guy and the girl in the, in the wedding thing. And it says, and it's got like Nintendo characters. It says game over. Y'all seen that? So a commercial for one of these, these weird marriage shows, um, that some of y'all pagans watch on TV the other week. And, uh, and the guy, the guy literally said as a bachelorette type of thing, he said, he said, I've had my fun, quote, now I'm ready to get married. That'll really bless a girl's heart. <laughs> Baby, I've had so much fun. I'm just ready to be bored with you. You know, and she's just like, oh, hold me. You know what I mean? Just, Don't do that. If you do that, you have no game. You have like zero game. We equate Christian living, we equate being saved as the end of fun. But the Apostle Paul begins to unpack to say Christianity is not a boa constrictor that slowly squeezes out any enjoyment of life. What it actually does is it frees us from the things that are squeezing out our very soul. And we don't even realize it because that's all we know. That's why if you don't know Jesus here this morning, you think life is good. If you're on your way to hell, if you're a heartbeat away from that, that's not good. That's called crazy. That's not a joke because the Bible tells us that every person who doesn't know Jesus is blind. It says the God of this age has blinded the eyes of those who do not believe. That's why some of you guys, you come, you may enjoy the service and be like, that pastor, like he's entertaining. He's just, he's weird, dude. Like I don't fill out the connection card because that dude, right? Like we, and we see that, and, and the reason why we don't equate life and freedom with Jesus is because we're blind, but faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that's why we pray that God opens eyes um, even today. So here is the question. What does the Bible mean when it speaks about freedom or liberty? And here it is. It's in your notes. Freedom is not the license to sin, but rather freedom is the ability to do what you ought. Notice what he says in verse Number 13, the latter half, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but in love serve one another. For some of us, the only correlation we have to freedom is to gratify our lower self. And if we really look at it to say, well, if I get saved, then I won't be able to do these things. Most of these th- those things that we point to that we quote unquote will not be able to do once we get saved, they're usually bad on the health. Bad on the wallet and bad on the relationships. Y'all tracking with me this morning? I mean, we don't even have to go to get, we could give illustration on top of illustration, but most of those things that we do, that we say, if I come to Christ, there's no more of that. Those are things that we would do better without. And Paul's also dealing with a group of people here who say you have to add things to the gospel. Then there's also other people in the first century that tried to pervert the gospel. If you're taking notes, write down, this is a big word of the day, antinomian, nomos in Greek is law. There are people who are anti-law and they would say this, well, if you get saved and if Jesus forgives you of all sins, past, present, and future, well, doesn't that mean that you can just sin? We're tracking now, right? Like, okay, so Jesus loves me unconditionally and I give my life to Jesus and I'm saved forever from hell. Then why don't I, why can't I just live like it? I mean, you kind of get the best of both worlds. Like you get to live in the fast lane and then at the end, once you're finished with all that fun, then you get to go to heaven when you die. Paul is, is, that's like a nacho libre understanding of the gospel. Like that is not the scripture. The apostle Paul says in the book of Romans in chapter 6, if we have died with Christ, if we've been saved, then how can we continue to enjoy and live in and wallow in the very thing that cost Christ his life? 
You know, sometimes for those of us, uh, us guys, we, we've been told, you know, would, would you look, would you look at that if your, if your wife or your mom or if Jesus was there, was there with you? And for most of us, we would not because of shame and out of respect. And the apostle Paul is saying the gospel frees us from having to work our way into heaven, but the gospel means that we now want to serve Christ and serve other people. So the Bible says that freedom, notice, is the freedom to be able to serve and love one another. The gospel, the fulfillment of the law, is the call to freely serve others out of love. And some people, again, will go back to the freedom issue. They say, Jeff, you don't understand the things that I'll have to give up if I come to Jesus. The fun will stop. Here's what's fun. Not going to hell is fun. All right. Being free from addictions is fun. Not wasting your life is fun. Not ending up on your deathbed, having to look back and have a crushing weight of regret to say, I have wasted my entire life. You see, that's, that's fun. Getting charged up through serving people is fun. Bitterness is not fun. Pride and arrogance that pushes people away, that's not fun. Hangovers are not fun. Breakups from immorality and porn are not fun. Liver damage is not fun. Jail time is not fun. Being the arrogant religious jerk for everyone else around is not fun. It's like the kids are talking back to me, all the adults, you guys. You okay? You see, for some of us, we look at the things that enslave us as the very things that free us. But you see, here's, here's the fact. For some of us, man, that's all that we've known. And we are here in church looking for answers, and the answer is Jesus Christ. You see, for some of us, it's like C.S. Lewis says, we've always been, we've always lived in the stinky, dirty alleyway with no sun. All we've ever known to do is just to make mud pies. That's the best we can think of. But what Jesus is just saying is come out of the mud pie making business. Come out of the dirt and the slime and let's go to the beach and build a sandcastle in the sun. But it's something that we've never known and that's why the gospel is so awesome. You see, now, Jeff, why does the text equate, why does the Bible equate serving and freedom? Last time I checked, serving and freedom are not actually synonyms. Here's the reason. Jesus is free. There's Jesus is free. Jesus brings freedom. Jesus is not a slave. Jesus is not a slave to sin. He came to bring freedom. So for me to have freedom is to be like Christ. Amen? So if I place my faith in Christ and I serve like him, there's going to be freedom. Now notice what a changed life gives you the freedom to declare war on. Not only the Desire to be served instead of serve. But notice there in verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Here is what we can be free of when the gospel comes into our life. We can be free of verbal cannibalism that simply tears others down, that destroys relationships and testimony. Man, through the power of God, you guys know how it can be when you're around negative people. It's almost like you can feel the radioactivity and it doesn't matter. I mean, whether it's the government or whether it's how they made the, 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 the sandwich at McDonald's or whether it's how the neighbor's dog goes to the bathroom. They complain about everything. 
Everything. And the Bible says that in verse 15, biting and devouring one another is something that results in ultimate destruction. Because what it does when we're negative is it elevates us above other people. Does it not? Because if I'm negative on those people, then what it means is that I'm better than than they are. But the gospel frees us from having to be that way. And notice beginning in verse 16, it, it's saying here that we can be at war with whatever is at war with Jesus. We can be at war with whatever keeps us from following Jesus. Because notice in verse 16, everything begins to shift. Because he says, but I say, walk by the Spirit. Now, it speaks of the lust or the desires of the flesh. And go to verse number 19. We're going to be camped out here next week. For... The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality. What that means is sex before marriage or sex outside of marriage. And if you're here today, uh, boyfriend and girlfriend, guys, if you're having sex with your girlfriend, you're using her. Um, you're not being a man. You're using a woman regardless of what you say about loving her. Because if you love her, you will help her, not harm her. Sex before marriage harms, it damages relationships, and the Bible says that judgment comes on it. So we pray that God would raise up men that would have self-control and wait. And if you are having sex with your girlfriend, then you can be saved, and then God will give you self-control, and you can honor her until marriage. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger... Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. What he's saying is that in the final category, there's a miscellaneous drawer that covers anything that anybody could think up that is opposed to God. You say, Jeff, how do we actually go about applying these things? How do I declare war on these things that keep me from God? Go back to verse 16. But I say, what's it say? Walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the lust of the flesh. Here's a common misconception about Christianity. Some people say, well, Jeff, it talks about the lust and desires of the flesh. Does that mean that when I get saved, I'll no longer have evil desires? No. It doesn't, salvation does not mean that you no longer have a temptation to lust. It simply means, Christianity means, that temptations no longer command your obedience. It means that for the first time in our life, there's a choice. Isn't that good news? Like you see, Christianity does not mean that when you get saved, the only thing you have a desire to listen to is organs and handbells. When you get saved, it means that you say, you know what, I still have temptations, but through the power of Christ, I don't have to obey those temptations anymore. Because so often Christianity has been misquoted to where we think, oh, it says don't walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the lust and desires of the flesh. Does that mean I won't have them? I mean, Christian Jesus gets misquoted more than probably anybody in the world. That's why last week we, we talked about editing Jesus. The temptation to make Jesus seem what we want to be. Think about mis- being misquoted. Uh, we had a, some friends in a few weeks ago and they were from Tennessee. Actually, we got some shooters from Tennessee. Came in all the way from Tennessee for the skeet shoot. Isn't that awesome? Had to bring people all the way from Tennessee to teach Virginians how to shoot. So thank you guys for coming. And it was, it was an awesome time yesterday. They came from Tennessee and we, we did what you would do if somebody comes to Rocky Mountain out of town. We brought in Roanoke and went to the Goodwill. We did. 
we do. And we were there and they've got this precious little girl named Mariah and she's, and this is one of those true, some people say that was awkward and you're like, no, this is awkward. This is awkward. Jim and Kristen, the mom, the, the girls, the ladies, they were nowhere to be found. I was just there and I had my hands on the cart and Mariah and she's about three and she's there in, in the shopping cart. Beautiful little blonde girl, sweet. And, uh, out of nowhere, there's this young lady, probably in her, you know, late fifties, early sixties. She just walks by and then Mariah turns to her and says, I don't want daddy to kill me. <laughs> And my hands are on the cart. Her dad, Chris, wild, crazy mountain man, we make eye contact, and he does this. Slaps me on the shoulder and goes, come on, dad. And he walks off. And I used to do martial arts, and I never thought I would say there'd be a 60-year-old woman who could rip my head off. But the way she looked at me, I thought this is it. Just being misquoted, things out of context, misunderstanding. It's so crazy when we come to the Bible, when it says things and we read the Bible and we bring in things that don't have anything to do with it. Listen, when you get saved, it doesn't mean that functionally, like every day, you're going to be perfect. It means positionally you've gone from death to life. Your reservation has been changed from hell to heaven. But the nuts and bolts of walking with Jesus, it means that you don't have to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Not that they won't be there. So walking by the Spirit. You say, Jeff, I've got issues. How am I free? Walking by the Spirit, according to the text, is simply living in obedience to God's direction. Because if you've been saved or if you're thinking about it, here's what's going to happen. You're going to get conflicting signals. You're going to have the flesh say, well, you should get angry back. And the Spirit says, learn patience like Jesus. You're going to get conflicting signals, even to the point when we mess up after we've been saved. We say, man, I've been trying to declare war on these things. We turn to Romans chapter 7 and the Apostle Paul. Like Apostle Paul, he's like pretty much the man. Like he could, he could hang out with anybody and they're like, wow. Like he could hang out with the intellectuals. He could hang out with anybody. And the apostle Paul could say, cause I want to become all things to all men so that I may lead some to, to Jesus. Here's what he said in Romans seven. He says, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I hate, I end up doing. Can anybody, can anybody say I resemble that remark? Come on. That I want to do these. I want to serve Jesus. I want to be a good dad, a good husband. I want to be a godly mom. But it seems like sometimes the flesh takes over. Guess what? That's the Christian life. And when those things happen and pride comes up, we say, you know what? I'm a great sinner and Christ is a great Savior. Now I'm going to confess that and follow the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ once again and go back to Galatians chapter 5 in verse 16 to say, Lord, would you help me to walk in and by the Spirit? Because you see, when your heart changes and your deepest desires change, that's why the Apostle Paul says it's no longer I who sin because the I has been changed. 
the true core of who we are. He said, it's just sin that dwells within me. But before Jesus Christ, we do it because there's no Jesus there. It's nothing but sin. But through the good news of Christ, everything changes when Jesus comes in. And here's the thing that we have to take away is that we have to have the Holy Spirit to be able to walk by Him, right? If you don't have something, you can't use it. You can't be led by it. If you're driving down the road, you can't use a GPS if you don't have one. You can't be led by the Spirit. You cannot have your life characterized by anything other than verses 19, 20, and 21. That list of very sordid, awkward, terrible, that, that's us before Christ. But here, usually, this is according to Augustine, one of the early church fathers. He said that these are basically the three levels of motivation. Before Christ, we are motivated by lust. Meaning, I'm motivated by what I can get from people out of life. No restraints on the flesh. Secondly, when I get into middle school, high school, I am motivated by law. Like, I do not do certain things because of the punishment and the threat of fear and loss. But when Christ comes in, we are led by love. You see, it starts out in lust. Then we're held back by the law, but the gospel of Christ is that we are motivated by love to serve God and to serve people. And notice he says in verse 16, to walk in the spirit, to walk. He doesn't, he doesn't say that you get on a chariot and ride. He says that you walk because some of us, we want to have maturity, don't we? We want to be like a godly person that we respect, but some of us, we don't want to go through the valleys that produce the character that we respect in other people. And it's kind of like it's very easy for some of us to see these texts about walking in the Spirit and to have the same approach that some of the diet plans that are tried, they try to sell to us. It's basically like this. Don't change your eating habits. Don't start exercising, but have abs like this guy. Have you all seen those types of diet commercials? Literally what it's saying is you can get a result without... A change. And the gospel we're learning from the scripture is active. It's not passive. Some of us, we say, well, Jeff, I just need to avoid sin. No, listen, when you're following God, by definition, you're running from sin, right? If we're following Christ, then we're running from sin. We're running away from the prison. And I just would implore you guys this morning, man, if you know that you need Jesus Christ in your life, run to him today. Pursue him. Give him your life. It reminded of the story of the prodigal son. And remember when he came home, what did the father do? The father ran to him. And God wants to save you today. 